Welcome to Amazon Legends, where we have real stories about making it big on Amazon. Our guests are CEOs of large companies and entrepreneurs who became power sellers, also providers specializing in helping sellers, aggregators that acquire sellers, and former Amazonians will give us an insight from behind the scenes. Here is your host, Nick Urison. Welcome to another episode of Amazon Legends. My next guest today is a serial entrepreneur. When you know you ask people, what do you do in your free time? So she builds companies, that's what she does. So she built two companies in her home country. And one day she took a vacation, came to Miami and decided to stay for a couple of weeks. And that was six years ago. So, and she's been here ever since and building companies and she's in the Amazon space. And uh, today she is the CEO of Online Seller Solutions, which is an Amazon backhand management agency. And this is very interesting. We're going to find out very valuable stuff from her. And outside of work, she loves mountains. So she lived in the beach country in Florida and decided, no, that's not for me. Now she lives in the mountains in Utah. So with that, welcome to the show, Vanessa. Everybody meet Vanessa Han. Hi, Vanessa. How are you? Thank you, Nick. Very good, and you? Yeah, great, great. So I'm dying to hear your expertise about backhand management. So uh, I'm, and this is when you and I discussed, you told me this is all about listings. So <clears throat> tell me one common mistake that every seller makes with their listings. So the biggest one is that they're missing the other side of the coin. So listing is a coin, and we know that when we go to the listing, we see on the page, we see the picture, and we see the title, the bullets, and everything else. So that's one coin. What's the other side of the coin? So the other side of the coin is the backend attributes that Amazon give you to improve that coin. Um, everything that is in a flat file, basically. Okay. So... The, the most common way to create your listing is a lot of people do this. Doesn't matter, you know, if you are a tech person or, or what, it's much easier to go and then create your ASIN. And then if you, you search Amazon provides the tools, you search, if it's not in the catalog, you put the UPC and then you create the ASIN and then you plug in the title and the bullets and everything else. So, this is not what you do, right? And just, you do not recommend this in order to take advantage of the full capabilities that Amazon offers. So walk us through how, what is the alternative way? Yeah. So what you describe is basically the process that you follow through the Seller Central UI, which it was designed to be very simple and easy to use for sellers, right? So they have the... I'll say bare minimum of things that you should have in a decent listing. But then the other side of the coin and what a lot of people leave in the shadow and completely neglected is the opportunity to go into the source code, into the source of a listing backend and change and update and add attributes to that part. So basically that's a flat file. And Amazon gave you several kinds of flat files where you could optimize. The one that I like the most is called the category listing report. 
And that's basically all of your catalogs information in one Excel spreadsheet where you have columns with all the attributes. That is the backend. That is the other side of the coin. So it's not, I mean, if you want to create a listing on Amazon, I will advise you, yeah, let's go create the ASIN, the ASIN number with the UPC in the title and images. Do it through the Seller Central, like UI. That's no problem. And obviously, it has the same implications that doing it through Flatfile. But then when the listing is created, it's our job to optimize that, right? We want to feed the algorithm in the way they want to be fed, in the way that we're going to have the most amount of success. And the way to do it is through flat files. And we have proven over and over and over again that contributing to the backend is extremely meaningful for indexation, for ranking, and to uh, you know take more market share. Yeah. So this is, this is one of the the complicated parts of Amazon because those flat files never really work easily, right? It takes it takes a long time for you to be able to figure out. So um, let let's now dissect this flat file because this is your business. You are you are the person that understands the flat files. So the category list you are going to sell in a particular category. Let's say you're going to sell I don't know shoes. And if you go to, I guess, what you, you figure out whatever the category shoes are in, you go and then in your Seller Central help, there is a category list and then there is a flat file associated with it. And it says download template. You download that template, except that this is not an easy thing because once you open up the template, there is that first field that says the attribute. And that is like the subcategory. And that is how Amazon is categorizing. And a lot of people struggle figuring out what that is because that comes from this long list of attributes that they call it uh, browser, uh, browser, no, browser browser guide. Guide. Mm -hmm. So picking that right one. And of course, sometimes your ASIN they may reject the ASIN for that category. They may say this is not uh, this is not suitable for this or or something along those lines. They reject it. Share with us because that's where the whole journey starts, right? So share with us how you uh, go about doing this the right way. Yeah, that's why creating ASINs uh, through flat files is way more complex than optimizing through flat files. So what you said is completely right. It could be a problem if you choose a different or a wrong subcategory, right? Under the main category, let's say that we're selling shoes, that's under uh, shoes, apparel, and jewelry. That's the main category. And let's say that we are selling running shoes. That's the subcategory. If you create something that is not uh, suitable for that category, you could probably get through the first stage, which is uploading the flat file. But then after you upload that flat file, if there is in the wrong category, Amazon will change it. So that's one of the bigger questions that the, one of the most popular questions that I get all the time, Nick, is 
hey, Vanessa, can I change the category through a flat file? And that, unfortunately, the answer is no. Right now, it's not possible. Why? Because the category is one of those uh, attributes that are sticky. And sticky means that once it's set up for one category, it will tend to stay there unless Amazon make changes to the browse tree guide. And the browse tree guide is basically the whole three of categories and subcategories. And probably you, you know, and most people that are listening know that Amazon tends to change categories, merge categories together, separate categories, create new ones very often. So for that, our subcategory tend to change but that change comes internally from Amazon. That unfortunately is not something that we can control through flat files. Uh, we could advise, so we could upload a file with a different subcategory, but even if, it's, even if it's successful in our end, it probably won't change the front end because that attribute belongs to Amazon. And Amazon is the one that decides at the end of the day, if that product is, suitable for that specific subcategory. So the question is, okay, I, I'm, I'm having an issue. I am I'm selling running shoes, but unfortunately for some reason, Amazon is cataloging me as pet supplies, whatever, something extremely ridiculous. And you know that your product is not that. So the way to fix it is through a case. So you do need to have your flat file with the correct subcategory because they probably will ask you to upload that feed. But first you need to open the case because they need to remove or reset the contributions for the category. Just mm -hmm. uploading a file with a different subcategory won't make it. You need help from seller support. And that's why you said like, when you open the case, you say like, hey, I need to refresh the subcategory contributions because unfortunately my product is catalog. And, and that's the way. The other thing that I tend to see is where some people manipulate the subcategory because they wanna be in the most popular subcategory. So for example, we're selling uh, kids running shoes, right? But we wanna put them in uh, fashion shoes. Why? Because fashion shoes for kids has more traffic than running shoes for kids, right? Even if we do that change, but our customers will always come through the path of running shoes for kids, Amazon will change their category. And I see that happens and, and people fighting it and changing it back and Amazon changing it back again. It's Amazon will follow what is best for the customer. So if the customer journey on Amazon is going through running shoes for kids and your, and your shoe is is being selling over and over again through that path, you're gonna be assigned to that subcategory. Even though you wanna be in fashion, you will be assigned there. Yeah. So I have I I have a an opinion about this. So let me share it with you and you tell me what you think. So once you create the ASIN, obviously once you create the ASIN, it got placed in one category and it's, it's been approved, and you upload your content, so on and so forth. So you got a listing. So at the end of the day, what matters is you've got an ASIN, and you have your keywords associated with it, 
and you're ranking under those keywords, which category you are in doesn't really matter that much, does it? No, I do. Okay. I do agree. You're correct. And um, but but I don't know. For some reason, people obsess with the subcategory, right. and I believe Nick, it is because let's say that we are in fashion shoes for kids. I am so sometimes people think that they will go into a higher rank if they are in that subcategory rather than if they're in running shoes. So this is something true. You could be the number one bestseller in uh, running shoes for kids, number one bestseller, but you could be the number 70 in fashion shoes. So changing subcategories is meaningful just in that regard, just in the regard of how are you positioned against your competitors, right? That's the only thing that matters. And honestly, we are a very educated community as far as how we shop on Amazon. So when I shop on Amazon, I have my extensions and I could see who's selling it and I could see if the reviews are, are true or not and I could see ranking and all that. But the regular customer that is not educated, they don't tend to care as much if they're buying the number one seller or if they're, they're buying the seven in, in the position seven. As long as it fits with the needs and has good reviews and has good price for them, like value and stuff, they get, they're going to buy. So, yeah, I agree with you. It's not as important, but I see a lot of people over obsessing yeah. like it's extremely obsessive the part of like i need to be in the right subcategory where yeah. in, in in all honesty what matters is your keywords and, and your indexation there yeah so so to really sum uh, sum it up you you've got to work with flat files we'll get into it in a in a minute more but you've got to work with flat files because flat files will give you a lot of flexibility with more and more things you can do in, in the back end. However, you can create your listing manually by putting the UPC and everything else. Once the listing is created, it's gonna go through and it's gonna say, you have to upload this image, that image, whatever. So it won't approve right away, but once you have that primary, what they call the vital info in, then the listing will be up and at that point, you can now generate the flat file associated with it. And then going forward, doesn't matter whatever is the category or the subcategory inside the flat file, ignore it. You've got a listing, it's up, and then just start using the flat file. And that way, you're going to get the most advantage. Yeah. And though that ranking, your bestseller rank, <clears throat> is an indication, but it's a backward looking rank. In other words, based on how you are doing with your unit sales in that particular category, it puts you somewhere. But for some keywords that are important to you, you may be ranking high uh, day in and day out. And so that way you're gonna drive the sales. So your keyword rank is, is you can find that out for each keyword that you're targeting. Uh, that will drive you forward. But your BSR is just backward looking that shows where you are today, which by the way, changes hourly, right? Yeah, also. Also, yeah. Uh, like so ranking is so so volatile that 
over fixated on it. Like I remember one time uh, a seller reached out and they had a huge, I'm not kidding you, a huge Excel spreadsheet with each hour of the day, like a year and where they were ranking in each hour. So they were, see, they were showing me the pattern and said like, you see in the day 33 of, of the each quarter we go, we drop down from number one to number 40. And this is a problem, we need to fix it. And it's like Amazon is the algorithm. That's something that we cannot control. We could do a lot to the other side of the coin to feed the algorithm and to tell them what we are and put the right keywords I, and understand our customer journey good enough to target each part of the journey. But as far as the algorithm of if I'm number one or number two or number three or number 70, that is the byproduct of good ranking, of good optimization, of good indexation and, and conversion rate, obviously. Yeah. But it is not the most important feature. So one thing that I learned last year about how the algorithm works, Nick, is that we have something called the IDQ score. And honestly, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure what the IDQ means, what it stands for, but it's basically an internal uh, metric on Amazon. And it's what the algorithm uses to rank you and index you for keywords. So the rule is that the ASINs need to be above 80% of optimization in a sense. And you get to 80% by having the title, the bullet points, the images, and the right uh, attribute and ca categorization. That's like the bare minimum that you need to do to get to the 80. But then from 80 to 20, uh, sorry, 80 to 100, so which the other 20, which by the law of Pareto, you know that's probably the most important 20% of your whole IDQ, is what are the other attributes that you're optimizing for or that you have in so the system can show you to the most amount of customers or not only the most amount but but to your exact customer that will convert in that keyword so those are things like what is in the box uh included components color style um uh pro description things like that Depending on the subcategory, you have different attributes that are important. So for example, flavor is something very important for the grocery and gourmet, but flavor is not important in home and kitchen. Same thing with style. Style is probably not important in grocery and gourmet, but it's very important in accessories. So it really depends on your category, but that's what you need to improve. So before, before I knew that, I, I was already doing optimization in the backend with the with flat files. Then when I understood that this score exists and how we can change it and impact it through flat file, that's where we're like, oh my God, this is really a thing. For, for a very long time, I thought that our work was very like invisible in a sense, not really meaningful, but we can prove right now with the IDQ how impactful it is to optimize the backend. So for the sellers that are listening and, and for you, Nick, in your business, you could open a case through seller support and, re and request the IDQ report. So the IDQ report is basically a list of all of your ASINs with a note saying what are the attributes that you need to optimize for in order to get better. So they gave you, I have, I seen that they give you 
if you are below 80, they give you like about five or four different attributes that they're telling you you're missing this. And that is very important because once you feed the algorithm with that information, they're like, okay, now we understand your product better. Therefore, we can rank you and, and, sh and show it to the right customer for you. So that's the part of the science that is behind the other side of the coin. Optim optimization is something that is, needs to be consciously and intentionally rather than just like filling a bunch of keywords and information. That's not useful. I'm sure that, you know, anybody listening, any Amazon shopper, so when you go do your search, your search results will be presented. And then on the left-hand side of the screen, they also present a bunch of filters, right? So those filters, I mean, I frankly, especially if you're buying like electronics or anything to do with uh, brands or anything like that, that, that you have a list, I often select those. So those are also being utilized by the, the backend capabilities that you, you have with that flat file, right? So explain to us uh, how you can leverage the flat file to, to present your product under more searches because the, the filters will use your backend. Yeah. So the first step that I'll say, if you, if you really want to do a full op optimization, I'll advise you to open the case and request the IDQ. Once you request the IDQ report, then you're going to have specifically what is that the algorithm is missing for you to get to 100. That's the first part. The second part is go to the, your uh, most or the broadest keyword possible. So let's say that you're selling running shoes. Go to running shoes. Don't be very specific long term keyword. Running shoes blue with a black line for women. No, like don't be so specific. Go to the broadest one and see there what are the filters that are in the left hand side of the page. And you can match the name of those attributes. So for example, we obviously gonna see in that specific category, we're gonna see brand. We're gonna probably see material. We can probably see color and stuff like that. So you're gonna match those attributes with what is in your flat file. So my advice is working based on your category listing report, because if you download a category specific file, you're going to need to fill in everything again. So with the category listing report, at least you have the base, right? You have your title and bullet points, everything that you did through the UI. So there you're going to look in the uh, second row of the file. You're going to look for the exact name that is showing you in the, in, on Amazon in the filter section. So we're going to find for material type, for example. And there we're going to input information. So the cool thing about it is if you think that you uh, are good to be shown for different material types because your product is made of different material types, you could put more than one and you're going to be ranked uh, or you're going to be indexed for more than one of the material types because we're going to have multiple. So one, of, one example that I used to give people when I present on this is a uh, hair dryer. So there are hair dryers for straight hair, for curly hair, for you know ginger people, blonde people. So those filters are there. And if you have a product that 
fits the all of the categories or some of the categories, you can have more than one. That is the thing that you cannot do through Seller Central. It's having more than one attribute for the same, sorry, more than one keyword for the same attribute. That's something that you could customize uh, with Flatfoot. So that is the biggest thing that you can do, having more, right? And customization is the biggest feature that platforms have, in my opinion. You could, you know, do and undo a lot of things. Right. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the data that Amazon is collecting from you when you create a listing, it's going into a record for a, a listing. So that record is not limited to just what you submitted. There is a lot more. And of course, the more data will provide a lot more ways for shoppers to find the item. At the same time, that's an opportunity for you to submit the data for those additional things. But that's only possible through the flat file because the front end is... I cannot even imagine Amazon building a, a, a an interface within Seller Central to accommodate everything you can submit in the flat file. It would be so complicated and uh, would be unbearable. Okay, so working with flat files, can you share with us some valuable fields that you make use of the most or advise sellers that, you know, you must, you know, not everything, but these ones are the most important. You must always have something there. Yeah, well, uh, generic keywords, which is, which is also something that you could fill in the, in the UI, it is probably one of the most important keywords, uh, sorry, attributes that you can fill in, obviously, because that is, that is like the source of all of your most important keywords that you tell the algorithm that you want to be ranked for. That is extremely important. So if you don't have it, make sure you have it. One thing that I advise on that is for, for a long time like in the industry, we there was a thing people saying that in that uh, subject matter, generic keywords, however it's called, like they change it all the time, but let's call it generic keywords. You have up to 250 characters, right? To put whatever information you want there. And there was a practice of, of putting misspellings and putting repeated keywords because people think that repeating keywords in that backend will get will give them more power or more indexation or more ranking. The truth is right now, today, 2023, that is not necessary. So I've been seeing a lot of sellers that I've been working with where they repeat keywords. You don't need to repeat keywords because the algorithm is smart enough to mix and match those keywords together, also to put them in singular and plural together, and also the misspellings. You don't need to account for misspellings in your generic keywords. So don't do that, don't waste a space. Remember that that specific attribute is retail space for you to showcase what your product is and, and to feed the algorithm with the right information. So that is one of the most important in general that you could also do through your UI. And the other one that I see in platforms that I like the most, because for now we have been able to input 
as much as 700 characters. I think it could even go further, but we just haven't um, tested that long, is something called included components. So included components in the front end on amazon.com in the pro detail page is called what's in the box, right? So what's in the box, meaning what comes in your package, what comes with your product. Some people are super lame and don't understand how the algorithm works and say like two, like, you know, a pair of shoes and they leave it like that. That's it. But the cool thing of this feature is that it is an open field, meaning that you can input as anything you want with a limitation on the amount of characters you can input there. So right now you could say, amazing running shoes for kids, ergonomic build, recycled materials, whatever you want to say. And you can have it in included components. And it's super pretty because that's between, so I've seen it between the sponsor, like products that is in the pro detail page and the pro description. So between that space, that's where included components goes. And it goes into bullet points if you want, or you can have a paragraph. So it's extra retail space to put things there, right? So I love that one. It's super flexible to do a bunch of SEO improvements. And because that's customer facing, you need to bear in mind that it needs to be coherent. It's not just to stuff keywords in it. So that's another thing that you need to differentiate. What are the attributes that are customer facing? And for those ones, they need to be, they, they, they need to make sense. And then the ones that are just algorithm facing, the, 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 the only, the only the algorithm will use them because customers are not seeing. So that's one of my favorites. And the second one is um, special features. Not every category has special features, but you know, in the pro detail page, you have the title, then the price, and then you have like special um, details, like uh, product details, like in bullet points, for example, color and brand name and things that are above the bullet points. So mm -hmm. a special features is there. It's a line that could show there in the majority of categories that I've seen where you can input as much as 400 characters with information. So special features, again, could be anything, could say like running ergonomic shoes for kids that are going to school, right? If those are important keywords for you and if that will help your customer convert, you should have information there and the more the merrier because, the, because that will help you rank more for different keywords, right? So I like those two, which are again, open fields, help you to increase conversion to input more information. And since it's a space that is above the bullet points, it looks cleaner in my opinion, because it's just in the, in the section with the technical details and people read through that super quick and probably the most important rather than reading the paragraph that each bullet point is. I don't know, I do feel that in this era, people are not really reading much they, they go for the images, they go for the really short information and probably reviews and price, but less and less people, I think, they're reading through bullet points and descriptions, especially when they're super long, 
that feel like heavy to the eye, they're going to just keep it. Uh, yeah. So that way. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. Uh, I, I, well, you know, it's funny. People don't read these days, but you know what they are reading? They are reading what's in the picture. So if you create those infographics and then you put text, of course, you don't want to make them like your PowerPoint slides where you have, <laughs> that's not what you want. By the way, that's not the right way to create PowerPoint anyway. So I don't know why people... <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, but they they do read the text inside the pictures. Uh, you're right. The best way to present your information is bullet points and short, not long. Again, paragraph like those bullets that they have. You know, the five bullets you have. Those are obviously you utilize them for keywords, but they're two hundred characters each and. And then you people write long sentences. You have to. But are people reading them? Not really. I mean, they read maybe the, they, they read the first one and maybe the second one. They definitely don't read the whole thing. So and, if it, and the longer they are, the less they read. But when you have those short bullet points that you mentioned, special features, definitely they're, they're, they are positioned much more clearly. They are concise. So, and this is, it's called special features in the flat file. Is that the case? Correct. Yeah. So, yeah. What's in the box, which is the name in the front end, it's called included components in the, in the back end. So, yeah, that's something that is also very unfortunate and make it even more exciting for, for me that I love flat files is that things in the front end normally don't exactly match the name in the back end. So it's a bunch of trial and error, right? And when you say like, one of the biggest things that I see people doing is that they're extremely afraid of flat files because they are very intimidated by Excel spreadsheets, basically. Right. They see an Excel and they already have a headache. So I, I do believe that when, once you're trying to optimize, it's very difficult. And, and I really mean this, it's really difficult that you mess things up if you understand the basic principles. So basic principle is don't use the update when you're trying, use partial update, right? Try to fill in as much information as possible and you will be good. And if you don't have information for something, just delete the column. Once you stick to those three principles, messing up things in the flat file is very complex. So. That's where I do think that people need to give, give it a try and see what it gets there. So right now I'm running case studies uh, with at least 90 days of data on how well the keyword ranks after they optimize it in different attributes. So some attributes like special features are in the, in the rank level for that IDQ for that 20% could mean higher than optimizing something like a style name, right? Because style name is not really something uh, that is kind of a deal breaker for, for a customer that is trying to buy your product. So that's not as important. Having a keyword there doesn't mean that you're gonna rank higher or you, you're gonna even index, maybe not. But special features, it is so far from what the data have shown me. So, those are the two that I will focus the most. And the other side of the coin, Nick, that's something that 
uh, I believe is as important as optimizing for conversion is optimizing again hijackers. And hide when I mean when I say the word hijackers, I don't mean the reseller or unauthorized seller that is selling in your listing. I mean the people that are, is changing the information in the back end that, for example, change your picture or change your title or change your bullet points. Those are the hijackers that I mean. One, once we have a flat file, you're gonna see that there are a bunch of attributes that are empty, right? Because you haven't filled it in, it's normal because the flat file have 10 times more attributes than what is in the front end. That's okay. But in the job of optimization and, and doing that for your listing, you need to fill in information as much as possible because that will prevent hijackers to come in and input information from you or, or for you. Why? Because each attribute is like an empty bucket. And Amazon wants buckets that are filling with information, filling with water, right? We want as many buckets full as possible. If one bucket is empty, there is a possibility that one, one seller or even internal members, internal team members of, of Amazon can go in and change information. And that's a very delicate situation because I've seen how sellers get nasty keywords in the back end, right? Restrict the keywords that shut down their listing or they change something and therefore the category changes. So that's, that's crazy. So part of the optimization and part of this uh, side of the coin is also brand protection. You need to protect your listings. You need to protect your information. And the way to do it is, is this way, filling in information and not leaving spaces for hijackers to come in and fill it in for you. Because I've seen how people get to a certain level of selling where they become, you know, a target. And, and this is probably not true for people that are uh, starting today. But for sellers that have some, some sales history and they're like getting more market share and more and more and more, they become a target for hijackers. And for, with flat files, it's extremely easy to hijack somebody that doesn't have information in the backend. So that's a part, like that's the biggest, that, 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 that's the other principle of optimization, filling as much information as possible. So how can somebody who's not a brand owner change your listing information with a flat file so okay uh, uh, this question i i get it a lot um so this is how the theory works sometimes it goes through and sometimes it doesn't go through but if somebody has a brand registry the catalog internally the contribution privilege that you have will match 52 points 52 points from a, from zero to hundred, you have 52, okay? So once you, for example, input a title of your own listing, you have 52 points. The only way somebody changes that contribution if, if they are higher or equal to you. So higher means somebody internally on Amazon that have higher points than you or somebody that has brand registry also and can contribute to your listing. So on one side, how Amazon does it and how the internal team uh, uh, do that, how they do that is basically going into listings 
and looking through the lens of how can we optimize this listing for a better shopping experience if they have good intentions because there is a team on amazon that is their whole purpose is to improve customer experience of the catalog so what they do is optimize listings and optimization means filling in information that is empty filling in buckets amazon rewards contrib contributors rewards and one more contributions into the catalog so if you leave it empty somebody internally can see that and can come in and change it on the other side is um other sellers that have also access to brand registry and also have access to seller central and can download a flat file they can just go in and mess with your flat file they, they, they won't be able ever to, to download the whole category listing report that you have, but they could basically use a template for your category and input your information and change stuff. And in my opinion, and this is, again, this is what I think it works. And I, I think that's how the hijacking part works. I don't know if that's true because I've never done it and I never experience or, or i never seen somebody doing it but this is from the principles how it should work right they're gonna go in download that um template and input your information and with that information that they're inputting they're gonna change stuff they're gonna put uh restricted keywords if they wanted to you know shut your listing down and they're gonna upload that into seller central and these two things could happen the first thing is that if the brand was protected and if the attribute that they were trying to change or or you know you know put wrong keywords is filled in that change won't happen but if the bucket and if the attribute was empty and they upload that file that will go through because the algorithm doesn't have the ability to understand if somebody is doing it with good or bad intentions they're just seeing that there is contributions and they like contributors. They like contributors because they want to make the catalog better. Okay, so this is basically how it works. And I do believe that's, that's how it works. In a more black hat way, there are people that, you know, do stuff internally and have employees and all that. Yeah. Uh, that's another story. And I cannot tell you how they do it, but with the theory and with the things that I know, that's how you do it through flat files. So now the question is, how can I prevent that happening to me? It's like, okay, you're going to download your category listing report and you're going to fill in as much information as possible. Yeah. So I tell you what I have done myself from experience. So this is nothing black hat it was totally what as you mentioned amazon favors contributors so there is a concept called merchant of authority so the way amazon decides about who has the right to contribute content for a particular listing is determined by your performance on that particular listing as a seller so if and and so you have that listing by listing as well as a seller overall so if you are if you have significant amount of business that that you you put through amazon on a particular asin 
in general, you've got good ratings and things like that. That is when the concept of merchant of authority comes in. So Amazon designates, okay, this seller is the merchant of authority. So therefore I'm going to allow the seller to submit content. And then when you submit content, then they'll take it and they'll use it. So now for private label sellers that are brand registered, I don't know to what extent this concept applies. But if you pick any, let's say, for example, you go on Amazon and you, you are a reseller, you're selling under a particular ASIN and you're doing very well. And the brand owner is not on Amazon. Brand owner is not selling. It's just a listing that was created. Nobody owns it. And, and people are reselling. You can pretty much, if you become the merchant of authority, you can change that listing any way you want. So like, for example, what we used to do was we used to, uh, th there would be listings for large size of an item. And of course, the price of the large size would be higher than the small size. So I, we would, and my company became the more merchant of authority and we would change the title to read the small size and only we would know that it was a small size, so we would put the small price, small size price. And but everybody else thought that was the large size, so they would price up, and therefore nobody could beat us on the buy box because our price is significantly lower. So is there a problem with this? No, there isn't, because the Amazon shopper sees, oh, this is a small size. Oh, it's a good price. Everybody else is selling at a ridiculously high price, so they don't buy it. And they are getting exactly what they what they see on the listing. The price is good. The seller is good. And everybody's happy, except that everybody else thinks that's the large size listing. So yeah. that was the thing that, that I am familiar with. And th that concept of merchant of authority becomes the key in, in being able to do this. It all comes down to... Having, you know, you, you can't do this with small number of orders. You have to be doing significant amount of business and then achieve that. So um, this is great. So I have a question on the, uh, on the listing. So right at the beginning, you mentioned that create the listing through, the, through Seller Central and then submit the flat file. Is there a way to create the listing manually, but then have Seller Central give you the template that applies to that listing rather than go hunting for category-based templates. Yeah, that's exactly what the category listing report is. And that's why I say it's better to go through Seller Central on the UI, which is super simple, like UPC, title, bullet points, and you know, some vital info. And then once the listing is created in your managed inventory, that's when you can download the category listing report. And that information that you input to create that listing will show there. Not only it will show the information that you input, but based on the subcategory that you assign it when you create it, you're going to see the specific attributes for that subcategory. So let's say that you create something in the 
grocery and gourmet subcategory, and let's say you're selling uh, chocolate, you're going to see the attributes specifically for chocolate and candy, for example, right? Uh, so you don't need to hunt that. My way of, uh, and, and this is the basic, right? This is what you do basically when you download the category listing report and you see what is in there. The where extra level. Where do you go to download the category listing report? So you go to Seller Central and you click in the right tab in the menu. You're going to go to reports and then you're going to tap inventory reports. When once you are in the inventory reports, you're going to have a drop down menu at the top with a bunch of inventory reports that you can download. The category listing report should be listed there. In case that somebody's right now looking at it and they don't see category listing report listed there, they need to request access to it because some accounts don't have um, free, not free, but I mean open access to it, they need to request it through a case. So they're going to call or email seller support and they're going to say like, hey, please allow us to download the category listing report. In okay. less than 15 minutes, they will get an answer saying like, yeah, sure, you are allowed. And now they have, now they go to inventory reports, they go to that drop down menu and they will see the name category listing report. If you have to request it through Seller Central, they normally give you a window of time that you can download that. So for example, they could give you seven days, 14 days, 30 days. Mm -hmm. If those days expire, so if you have, if they give you just for seven days and you're in the day 10 and you want to download it again, you need to request the case again. You need to request permission to download it again. So, um, you know, this is, this is how you do it. And the other thing that I'll mention, what you said about uh, merchant authority, that's completely true. And that's basically what is assigned to the points in the point system of the contributions. That is true for resellers though, for, for, for brands that don't have the brand registry. Because in theory, once you have brand registry, you are protected, meaning right. that nobody but the, the owner of the brand is able to change information. In the practice, I've seen it where people with brand registry still get hijacked and still right. get you know, images changed. The way to explain it, I honestly don't know. I, I told you that the, the principles of Flatfiles and how you could use it, but the point systems that Amazon give in the back end are, are a mystery, right? It's a black box for us. Yeah, yeah. But yes, if you are reselling, you could become the, the authority, the, the merchant authority for that listing, even when you don't own the brand registry. Right. But it's just a matter of somebody getting brand registry and, and then shutting it down. Yeah. Vanessa, this is really valuable. And I'm sure that people will, uh, will put it to use because it's, it, it, it's almost criminal not to. Yep. It's uh, because especially the IDQ score, it tells you exactly where you are and what you need to do. There is a little uh, concept that I want to share with you. It's nothing to do with Amazon, but it's kind of similar to what you were talking about, the, about the 80%. So pretty much if you do the basic things, you get up to 80%. And then, but the real differentiator is that 20% left and how far you are going in that 20% is going to be the game changer for you with your listing. So this is very similar to relationships. 
So, you know, we have conversations and we have this in my business community. Uh, we have this, we call it the 5%, uh, 5% rule. What we uh, describe it as is, is this. You have conversations, you go through, you know, you have 24 hours in a day, you sleep eight hours and the other 16 hours you are awake. And during those uh, hours that you are awake, you have conversations with people. Uh, a lot of them are business conversations. Some of them are personal conversations. Some of those personal conversations are personal, but really you can really share it with anybody. It doesn't matter. But there is certain conversations that are fairly intimate that you don't want to talk to anybody about except people who are close to you. Those conversations are the 5% conversations. And the people that you have those conversations with are called the 5%ers. So, so I now ask you, how many 5%er friends do you have in your life? So that... Well, uh, <laughs> I like that question. I like yeah. that question. So I've been, I've been pondering in that idea a lot. Um, and especially try to now that I'm now that I feel that I'm an adult, <laughs> you know. You see, when and, and this is a an, an like a phrase that people say, like making friends as an adult, it's very complex, right? Because we are at different stages. Because some people don't have the same interests. That it's easier when we're kids because we can mold into what the society and the group says. But I think that more important more than friends is um, a concept that I found um, really recently, which is pairing partners, I believe. It's that person that you can bounce ideas and you can have that really mental conversations, very deep and could mean a lot for you. They don't necessarily, and what I learned in this research and, and this like uh, introspection with my relationships is that they don't necessarily need to be your closest friend and the one that knows everything about you. But I do, I and I've been extremely fortunate that I have a bunch of those friendships and they have come through my work and in the industry. So I have a friend that I can go to and, I, and I'll call it friend because they don't know everything about my life. But if I go to them with a problem and I say like, I cannot figure this out and I cannot do this, helping in their experience they can help me and they have given me amazing advice that's the people that i try to stick with are they the are they the people that i call to to have a you know a movies night or dinner in my apartment no probably not not at all but those five percent i've been oh i'm very fortunate that i have quite a few in the space that have meant like completely different stuff for my business like once I just listen to them and what they have to say to me and I implement the the recommendations my life has changed completely so I have I have a lot of mentors and yeah I have those friendships I'm, I'm very fortunate that I have that probably right now since I moved to a new city and I'm here in Utah since six months ago I still don't have those friendships to do movie night and you know go shopping and and yeah. you know talk about whatever 
But for me, at this moment of my life, those are not as important as uh, those that and that that five percent that I can trust with you know big decisions in my life. And I think per, people should need or need to start focusing more on that rather than the people that you go with to party, right? Like those yeah. are not as important. I mean, you go through different phases in life, so this five percenter is is a big deal and it, it seems to make a difference on listings seems to make a difference in, uh, in life so this is actually a good segue to get to know you a little bit so tell us um you know i i when i introduced you i said that your home country you you from you grew up in venezuela right yeah so tell us about tell us about how it all started where you grew up and 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 give us a little bit uh, about your background Sure. So I grew up in Caracas, Venezuela, which is the capital of the country. Um, I grew up in a very fortunate family with, you know, all of the things like I don't come from a rough background, which some people think that, you know, because you're from a third world country, you need to have a rough background. I, I, I was very fortunate that I didn't. And I have the best education. And my family had the best mentors. Um, both of my grandparents were businessmen. So I had the best examples in that regard that I could have. So entrepreneurship and, and creativeness and, you know, like the courage to do stuff was very encouraged in my family. And one of the things that, that I reflected, you know, when, when I was now big, grown up, it's that one of the biggest values that I grew up with is excellence. Uh, in my family and the, and the way that I grew up in my culture, my group, my, my school was like, you need to be excellent. No matter what you do, you need to be excellent because your work is, um, is value that you're going to add to the world. And that's something that I, that I take very personally is that every single thing that I do needs to serve somebody else. So if this podcast, I hope somebody listens to it and takes that 5% that they need to become a better seller, become a better person or, or whatever. So that's the way and the lens that I see life. Um, I was very fortunate that to, to grow up in, in that family, to grow up with a background that even though my, my, my upbringing was fairly stable, I come from a country with a lot of instability. So I know what is to struggle. And I know what it is to have friends that don't have the means to make it, right? So I appreciate the opportunities way more than sometimes other people here that I see in the States that have everything, that have everything to their fingertips and they waste it because they are, they're entitled. So I don't, I don't feel entitled. I feel very grateful for the opportunities. And I try to see challenges as an opportunity to grow. So that's kind of my background. Thanks to my grandparents, I was, you know, encouraged to be an entrepreneur. I founded many different companies since I was very little. And I'll say, I'll say like side hustles better than companies. You know, I sold pens to my friends and, you know, makeup to my girlfriends and, you know, the, the classic lemonade stand in front of my house. I did all of those. And that's one of the things that I'm the most grateful for is that I had that freedom and I have that flexibility to do so and to grow up in a, in a community that has so much um, polarity and I could see the amazing things, but also how people struggle. And that's why 
like in my family, the, the excellence was fostered. Like we need to serve others. So that's probably one of my biggest values. Well, you know, I hear you mention excellence and a lot of people who want to be excellent and they know they are excellent, they tend to have that attitude that they are excellent. So it, because success automatically invites arrogance a little bit, right? Yeah. So yeah. with you, I think your family gave you that excellence not to be arrogant, not because you're so good, you're better than anybody else, but because excellence was a, a way to serve others. That's that was the the driver for you. So I, I I'm 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 hearing from you the word excellence, but I think you were brought up to really help others more through excellence. Because you yeah. can't really help anybody if you're not good for yourself in the first place, right? So so I think I think that is a much, much more humbling way to to look at you know success. Uh, rather yeah. than you know oh you know i'm the best and blah blah nobody but you know we see a lot of that these days and yeah. uh, it, it's it's actually the idea of being good at something so that you can help others and that's a that's a much much more uh, honorable way frankly to be good at something yeah. so this was great so see. vanessa sh share with us uh, your contact information how can people reach you yeah, so my favorite social media right now is LinkedIn. So you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Vanessa Hung. Uh, also, Instagram is at it's Vanessa Hung. Facebook, same thing. The website of my agency is onlinesellersolutions.com. And you can also email me at Vanessa at Online Seller Solutions if you have any questions, if you have a platform that you can, you know, get it through or, or it's not working or something, any any doubts you can reach out, feel free to do it. And yeah, if you need any help with your backend uh, management, we are also open for that. So feel free to reach out. Great. Thank you, Vanessa. This was great. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. And this brings us to the end of another episode. And I'll see you on the next if you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the episode, and share it with someone you think would benefit from it too.